Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Complete Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and uh, you've reached us on a Sunday here. We are going to break down the UFC, and then we're going to talk about some basketball as the playoffs are about to begin tomorrow. So, uh, as usual, we've got our resident analyst, Jason Cameron. He's going to come and break it down for us. Uh, let's let's talk UFC, Jason. Uh, thanks right. for joining us today. Oh, yeah, man. Happy to be here. All right. Nice. Well, well we finally got to uh, have the trilogy fight uh, shown to us. And, uh, yeah, very anticipated. Uh, probably the biggest heavyweight fight of all time. And, uh, yeah, it didn't disappoint. Uh, really amazing battle between... Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Um, I guess the only thing that uh, disappoints a lot of people is that uh, Daniel Cormier doesn't get to have his fairy tale ending and uh, retire with a with a belt uh, around his waist again. But um, man, uh, you know these these two guys couldn't have put on a, a better show. Uh, a really amazing uh, five round battle. Yeah, man. Like these guys put on a show. Super close fight as I knew it would be going into the fifth round. But the thing that I was shocked at the most was the fact that Stipe became skinny Stipe. Like, he came in lean, in shape. You could tell that that was obviously one of the things that he needed to address from his past battles with Daniel Cormier. He felt He clearly felt his tank wasn't where it needed to be. And so now... He comes in in that kind of shape, and he was able to actually push the pace at times against Daniel Cormier. And I think, I believe, I strongly believe that's what Kana gave him the edge in this fight at the, at the end. It really did give him the edge. Because, you know, I had Cormier win in the first, and then Stipe coming back and almost finishing Cormier in the second. I swear, if, 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 if Stipe had 10 to 15 more seconds, that fight's over. That fight is really over. And then the third round was the unfortunate eye poke that Cormier took from Stipe. And I, that's the other thing that I also point to, which led to Daniel Cormier's unfortunate downfall, was that eye poke, I believe, was really beginning to affect him in the later rounds. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, it was unfortunate. Uh, in all three battles that they've had, there has been eye pokes. Uh, Stipe actually had to have um, retina surgery to uh, get his retina reattached uh, after the second one. That's what delayed this third fight. Um, he actually um, talked to the referee before the match and said, you know, watch these eye pokes. Uh, it happened in the first fight, happened in the second fight. And then this time, uh, Daniel Cormier suffered that. Uh, Daniel actually said he couldn't see anything out of his, out of his eye. And um, he he's supposedly has a detached... Uh, cornea so uh, a torn cornea yeah and uh, it's um, yeah not they say they're not sure about surgery they're going to wait till the swelling goes down and and uh, test it out in a few days uh, he was released from the hospital luckily last night but uh, man was that ever a terrible eye poke unfortunately uh, referee Mark Goddard didn't see it that way he thought it was from a punch and and uh, let the fight continue on uh, without giving any, um, you know, time to recover from it. But, uh, yeah, that compromised him a lot, uh, you know, throughout the entire fight. It was it was really too bad. And it's been too bad that all three fights have been marred by that. Yeah, yeah, it, it has. And 
unfortunately, it, it's, it's an ongoing issue with those gloves, with the way that they're made and they're built. I don't know what the solution is, but I'm sure that the UFC is looking into that, into trying to figure something out, because it's kind of tragic when a fight of that magnitude is influenced by something that it shouldn't be, which is by eye pokes, you know? But regardless of that, Cormier did put on a valiant effort. And it, like I said, it was a super close fight going into the last round. But uh, Miocic managed to, you know, eke that win out. And I think from his superior uh, fitness this time, as opposed to his last two fights, really helped him lead the way to this uh, victory. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, he did, did look lean and mean. Um, I think he realized that he needed to uh, get in a little bit of shape, uh, not only just for the cardio-wise, but also the, the speed. Daniel Cormier seemed to always be beating him to the punch in the first two fights. Um, outside of that uh, fourth round, when uh, Stipe in the second fight started hitting him body shots and finally landed a good shot and, and took him out, uh, Daniel was winning that fight. He was beating him into the punch. And I think Stipe realized, um, hey, I got to get a little bit leaner. I got to get a little faster. Uh, and then his game plan was really smart. Um, he put him up against the cage constantly, um, you know, kept him there, wore him down. Um, Daniel Cormier said, bring your wrestling shoes. And uh, he did, you know, a, a takedown in the first round. But uh, after that, uh, didn't make any more attempts at it. It really shocked me. I, I don't understand. His corner was imploring him to take uh, Stipe down. Uh, but he never did. He said that he never got it, gave him an opportunity, but he didn't even even try. I, I was shocked by that. Yeah, that because like he he's taken away one of his very essential weapons that makes Daniel Cormier Daniel Cormier, and I I, I wonder if it's something that he saw in the fight that maybe made him hesitant to do the takedowns. I'm not sure about that because you know literally because of. Uh, the cut that Stipe did and the way that he refashioned his body, they're the same weight. They're literally the same weight. So it's not like he has to really put in maximum effort to take down a, a bigger guy, which he can do anyways. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he must have stepped away from the game plan clearly, but I don't know why he would diverge from that because that's usually not what Daniel Cormier does. No, no. Well, that definitely uh, seems to put Stipe in the greatest of all time heavyweight uh, conversation. Uh, do you think there's um, any doubt now that uh, he will be considered the greatest of all time? No, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt for me anyways. Like he's, he has earned those stripes and uh, it, it, I, you know, it's, he's got, he's got a murderous row of people waiting for him right now, but uh, for what he's accomplished, and what he's done for right now, as it stands, yeah, he is. He's the greatest of all time. So congratulations to Stipe, man. He's exemplary job. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that a guy that uh, is a you know a firefighter, um, you know, puts so, so much time into his community, uh, can you know become the greatest of all time. He before um, Daniel Cormier came around a couple of years ago, uh, everybody was you know, hey, the, he is the greatest. He uh, had defended his belt numerous times, had really shown, uh, you know, just a superior ability to beat guys at, at their game and, you know, whatever, whatever wherever the fight went. Um, yeah, this has been crazy. Imagine imagine him, though. He's the, he's the champion, 
suddenly Daniel Cormier decides, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go up to heavyweight. And for the last uh, two and a half years, he's been training for one guy only and had to have three ultimate matches to prove that he's the greatest of all time. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible, the, this trilogy. And, uh, yeah, good on him. Uh, you know, cemented his legacy. And, and uh, yeah, for, for all the Stipe Miocic fans, uh, they must have just rejoiced in this huge win. Oh, of course they would have, man, because it, it, this was – this is it. This was the fight to make him go into the upper echelon of, like, legendary status. And that's and – he, and he got the fight. Like, he got the win that he needed to get that kind of status, to get that from his peers and from all the people that watch his fights, man. So congratulations to him. Yeah, it was uh, definitely, you're right, in that second round, he had uh, Daniel Cormier in all sorts of trouble. Unfortunately, the view that uh, we got was from the opposite uh, side of the cage, and you saw, um, you could only see Stipe's back and Daniel down on the ground. Uh, it was really hard. They didn't have any shots from the side, uh, from really in close, so you, didn't, you couldn't tell how much trouble uh, Cormier was in. Uh, obviously Goddard got in there pretty tight, but, um, yeah, holy, uh, I was, I was on my feet, uh, thinking, oh my God, is it over already? And, uh, yeah, luckily for Cormier, that bell, uh, rang and, uh, he had an opportunity to go out for the third, third round. It was close. Yeah. Yeah. It was super close, man. Super close. Like I said, 10 to 15 more seconds. That fight's over, man. That, that fight ends right then and there. So, uh, Daniel Cormier said that um, he didn't uh, employ the same clinch style that he had employed in the first two fights. He had double underhooks the whole time, and Cormier found it really hard to reverse it, re really hard to get out of it. Uh, that, that's probably a really, really great game plan on uh, uh, Stipe's team. Uh, they seem to be able to, you know, grind it out, uh, wear Cormier down. Cormier, um, you know, does he kind of never looks like he's in – fantastic shape. I thought he actually looked, uh, you know, a little bit worse than he normally does shape-wise, which really surprised me because, you know, I thought he would be a little more lean and mean and, and uh, yeah, he's still just, you know, his body just doesn't really look like it's in fantastic shape. No, no, it, it never actually does like at all, like period. Like you wonder, are, are you a professional athlete? Like, are you serious about that? But and that's just it's just his body type. It's just the way that he goes about it. Like it's just it's just what he has to work with. But um, hey, he said through like the the whole pre-fight and stuff. Like this was the hardest training camp he's ever had, and this is the best shape he's ever been in. Like a lot of the platitudes that a lot of the fighters say all the time. But usually, once you step in the ring, then we'll see it for sure. Now I'll tell you this: Stipe definitely did that because I saw that in the ring. That man was. He was ready to go. So <laughs> yeah. um, I, I have to imagine that obviously Cormier did everything in his power to prepare for this fight. Um, it just it just so happened it just didn't go his way this time around. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a lot of people that uh, you know put their hand up, said uh, I'm next. Uh, the the biggest one was uh, John Jones asking for uh, a fight to, uh, with Stipe. Um, that makes sense for the UFC, in my opinion. Uh, probably will garner the most pay-per-view buys ever if uh, they can uh, put this fight together. Do you think uh, that's what uh, should happen, or is he going to fight Francis Ngannou again? Okay, so we've, we've seen the Francis Ngannou fight, right? I think, 
I think honestly, Dana, Dana White loves money, loves it, love, loves it to death. So if 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 I me knowing Dana the way that I do, I think he makes this fight. I th- I think it's just a no brainer. Like the guys don't really have much more to prove in their own division. Yes, there's obviously other opponents that they can fight and they can face, but I think this is. This is a good opportunity for the UFC to make this fight happen and uh, at the end of the year. I, I, think, I think it's a perfect opportunity for it, especially at the point in time that the whole globe is in with this pandemic still very much in our face. So I, I think this would be great for the fans to make a fight of this magnitude. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really hope it can be made. Uh, you know, I, I think it would just be, you know, something that, would excite uh, the fans beyond belief. Um, you know, a, a rematch with Nganu, who are, you know, Stipe seemed to be able to handle uh, quite ha- easily, handily. Uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, it won't garner the same type of interest. Uh, John Jones is, you know, he's he's been, you know, incredible uh, light heavyweight champion. If he didn't get into so much trouble outside of the cage, he, you know, he would, uh, you know, probably have held the belt for the past 10 years or whatever it's been. Um, you know, if he can keep his, you know, his, uh, problems, uh, you know, away and he can, uh, you know, train for this, um, you know, I think he gives Stipe a ton of trouble. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, obviously we saw Gustafson go up in weight and didn't fare too well. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people were talking that he was going to watch that and see, uh, you know, how it went. It didn't go well for him, but, um, yeah, it looked like, you know, immediately he wanted the shot and, uh, um, yeah, if the USC makes it happen, I think uh, there's big paydays for both of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. That's definitely big paydays for both of them. Big paydays for everybody all around if they do decide to make that fight. Um, now, I guess the only question is if they do decide to make that fight, do they make it into a super card, which I think they should do as well. If you're going to make a fight like that, you might as well make the card. You might as well stack the card as, as best you can. And I hope if they do go that route, that's what they do. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm sure John's going to ask for a lot of money. I'm sure Stipe and his camp will ask for a lot of money. Uh, that's, uh, you know, where the negotiations could break down. Um, yeah, we'll see how that uh, pans out. But uh, let's talk about the heavyweight division a little bit more. Uh, obviously, on the same card, we had uh, Junior Santos against Jorinzo Rosenstrike. And, uh, wow, that was a, a really good measured battle they were both um you know feeling each other out uh you know keeping each other at distance landing a lot of really heavy strikes but finally uh rosenstrike was able to knock jds down and and uh got the fight stopped uh man he's powerful i think he's still a little bit uh still too raw in the mma game but uh man he's got so much power in those hands yeah, man. The man is a striker. Now, we didn't get to see that too much from his last fight, unfortunately, because it kind of ended pretty quick. But, you know, the, his kickboxing record, 76 and 9. This dude, this dude can, you know, he can put people to sleep. He is a very skilled uh, stand-up fighter, kickboxer, man. And so, it, as you could tell within the, the scope of the fight that they were both like, okay, I can't make a mistake. Because if I do, that guy knocks me out. And, if, and it goes the same way with the other guy. That's how these heavyweights are. One minor little mistake, and then boom, lights out. It's all said and done. And then JDS, he actually got caught while he was throwing as well. 
He got caught in the midst of like an exchange. And then that's all it took. Rosenstrike hit him once and then hit him twice. And then that's, that's all she wrote, man. And that's all it takes for these heavyweights because of that much power and speed that's coming at you like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I think it was all the more remarkable that Stipe had such a, a great career because he was able to defend his belt so many times and be able to, you know, take on all comers and, and uh, not, you know, get hit by that, that one shot that takes you out. Uh, you know, heavyweight division, uh, yeah, it takes just takes just one clean shot and, and you know you're usually going down and you know sometimes they scramble up like uh, junior de santos did but then he just got right put right back down <clears throat> put right back down uh, with another shot and uh yeah the referee had to mercilessly stop it i feel bad for junior de santos uh fantastic career uh, former heavyweight champion uh but three losses in a row uh that might tumble him down the rankings he was number five going in Rosenstrike was uh, ranked number six. Uh, so Daniel's um, gone, I guess, out of the picture. So I guess Ngana goes up to number one. Blades will be number two. And Derek Luce, three. And then I guess Rosenstrike, four. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot of really great, fantastic fighters uh, competing at the top there. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, UFC will be able to bring Jones in. But um, all these guys, I think, have a legitimate shot at, uh, giving Stipe a run for run for his money. Oh yeah, man. Like and especially like you know, if you got guys that are lurking in the back, like Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, who's actually still trying to slim himself down, and he's that fast and that powerful already. That will be a problem for Stipe. I think Stipe, you know, obviously you have a game plan for all of these guys, right? But for that guy, you don't want to stand with them. You just don't want to take the risk. Just take him down. <laughs> yeah. Take him down all the time, man. Yeah. Because we've seen that happen in that uh, Volkov fight where I think he had 20 seconds left. I think he had just one more good punch left in him. And that's all she wrote. That was it. Yeah. And that, that's who that guy is. So, and, and yes, kudos to Stipe for always facing men of that magnitude all the time and coming out on top. So that's why he's the baddest man on the planet. And that's why he's our champion. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, even, you know, Daniel Cormier said, you know, he had 10, 10 title fights in a row. And, you know, I guess Stipe's got some, somewhere close to that too. Uh, you know, impressive, impressive, uh, you know, display on both guys' sides. Uh, you know, I really wish that eye poke didn't happen. But, uh, you know, Stipe, um, you know, did it. He's the champion and will go down in history as the greatest ever. Uh, it'll be, take a while for somebody to, you know, take over that position uh, from him. Uh, Co-main event, um, uh, obviously Sean O'Malley came in as a, you know, very hyped guy. Uh, he said, welcome to the Sugar Show, and uh, I'm going to, you know, go right up the ranks and take this belt. Uh, but uh, Marlon Vera um, said, no, 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 uh, no, you're not quite ready, kid, and uh, proved that um, he's got a lot of dog in him. And, uh, yeah, he brought the fight uh, to Sean O'Malley, and, and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Sean had a little injury, uh, you know, that might have compromised the whole thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, Marlon Vera looked strong. Yeah, Marlon Vera looked fantastic. But, unfortunately, again, I think that was a fight that could have been epic in scope if that injury hadn't happened to O'Malley the way it did. And it was super weird. I still – I have a, a theory of what it could possibly be, and I really, I really hope I'm wrong. But – 
it seemed to me that that could have been an Achilles tear. Just with the way that he grabbed it, the way that it gave out in that weird sort of awkward way. Um, since I've had an Achilles tear, I know the way that I grabbed for my foot when I did it was the same way that O'Malley grabbed for his. Now, it could have been something very different, broken bone in the ankle or something else, but that's what it seemed to me. And unfortunately, that significant injury definitely cost him the fight. That's it. Like, that, that thing really compromised him because once the fight was over, he was screaming in pain. So you know that that was whatever injury that he suffered was very, very, very significant. Yeah, no, yeah, he looked like he was in, in massive pain. Uh, definitely, he, uh, you know, r right away you could tell something was wrong when his his foot just turned over, and then he uh, he looked compromised. Uh, you know, he just mo wasn't moving very well. Not the same that we've seen him. And uh, yeah, Barrett took advantage once he uh, he fell down. He came in. Wow, he just landed some severe elbows and. You know, really, uh, you know, you know, took a compromised guy that was down and, and made sure that uh, the referee was going to have to step in. Uh, I really loved his post-fight interview. Uh, great personality. Uh, uh, loves Joe Rogan, and, and uh, you know, really just uh, great, great young guy that um, you know I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch um, as as he moves up the ranks. As he said in his own words, he's got a lot of dog in him. You know, he's got a lot of dog in him. So he's. <laughs> uh... Uh, I I really like I really liked um, his demeanor, his attitude in the post fight, and then I look forward uh, to seeing more of that uh, young man in the ring as we go forward. He's he's definitely going to be a problem in that division going forward for sure. Yeah. And I hope that O'Malley is able to recover quickly from his injury, uh, whatever that may be. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of fighters are calling out O'Malley. Uh, they think they can beat him. Uh, we've we've heard from a ton of guys. So um, yeah, let's. Uh, Let's hope he can recover really soon from whatever it is. I haven't heard the details yet, but we'll, we'll bring it to the viewers and listeners and let them know and uh, give you an update on him as soon as we can. Uh, let's go into the uh, featherweight fight between uh, Herbert Burns and Daniel Pineda. Um, Herbert Burns came in really highly touted. Him and his brother Gilbert are, uh, you know, we're on a meteoric rise going up the ranks. Uh, there was people that said Herbert's even actually better than Gilbert. And uh, he came in, faced um, a veteran in Pineda, and uh, Pineda just really dominated that fight. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, Pineda, you could tell, was hungry. He's been out of the UFC for six years, and uh, that hunger really showed itself in that fight. Didn't even have a lot of time to, like, uh, prepare himself for that fight because I think he, he got it off short notice. Um, and what you just said right there, that Herbert might be the better brother, eh, I, I, Nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not from this, uh, from what I saw anyways. Um, Pineda, excellent ground and pound. Excellent top control. And that's really what won him the fight in this. It is his top control against a guy that is uh, th that highly touted with his jiu-jitsu skills. That was, that's what really impressed me. That's what super impressed me, especially when he got him in the crucifix position to end the fight. You're not supposed to be able to do that to a guy of, like, of that caliber. You're not actually supposed to be able to do that. So that was an excellent dominant win by Pineda. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, you know, to, to be able to get that crucifix, it, it's very, very, very challenging, very tough, uh, very hard to get skilled guy like Burns uh, into that position. 
but he secured it, and uh, you know there was nothing that the referee could do but but stop it because he was just taking you know blows to the face, and he couldn't defend himself anymore. Um, Burns uh, came in overweight. Uh, that really made Pineda mad. He said he lost 27 pounds in two weeks to make sure he was uh, on weight for this fight. Uh, Burns uh, didn't drop that three and a half pounds. Uh, he was three and a half pounds overweight. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this week after week, and a yeah. lot of guys are coming in overweight. Uh, yeah, you know, you got to be really, really upset when you're dropping 27 pounds in two weeks and the other guy doesn't even get there. That's That's got to be a very annoying. Now, and also, too, that, that's, that's just more emphasis to you to put a beating on your opponent. Because <laughs> it's like, I have utterly killed myself to try to get to this weight. All right? That's what I did. And you didn't do it. So I'm going to put all my frustration and anger on you in this fight coming up. So you're going to get it even worse. I, I was already going to put a whooping on you. But now I'm angry. <laughs> now I'm pissed. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, uh, it, I don't know. I, with, again, we've talked about this with what the UFC should or should not do. I guess, you know what, if they're going to keep with this, uh, the, the penalties the way that they are, they should actually look at maybe increasing the penalties so that it's not an advantage if they get the fight of the night and everything else. And then it just kind of all equals out or they get even more money. So they don't really care. You know what I mean? So there's, there's some, that's something that should be addressed because you're professional fighters. You got to make weight. You, 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 it's just, that's part of your job. You got to make weight. And uh, hopefully maybe next card, we don't see this, but I, I think this is going to be an ongoing issue going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. Um, yeah. It's uh, something that we, you know, we have to face uh, week after week. You and I have to talk about it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm amazed at how often it's happening right now. And, uh, yeah, they're talking about 20%. He said only 20% of the guy's purse came to me. Um, I thought when you were three and a half pounds, it was like a 30% automatic. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is a negotiated type of deal, but um, yeah, they, they got to make it way more punitive. Just, uh, you know, guys just can't continue to do this. Uh, it looks bad on the sport. It looks bad on, on the guy. And, and uh, yeah, it's just an unfair advantage, in my opinion. You're not depleted like the other guy is. Uh, and you know, especially these late, you know, late notice fights, guys are getting only a couple weeks, maybe even less than that a week notice. And, and, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's completely unfair and it's, it's something that we got to figure out because, uh, you know, that weight cut is tough on you. Um, it's going to sap your strength. Uh, uh, you know, you're, you're going to do it because you're going to be able to put that weight back on and have that maybe a little bit weight advantage, but man, uh, you know, to, to, you know, fight the scale and and fight that hard 27 pounds in two weeks and the other guy doesn't even do it uh wow um yeah good for him that he beat him i'm, I'm really impressed uh you know herbert better go back to the drawing board and figure out if this is the weight division for him uh if he can't cut you know if he can't make this weight he, he should just go up and fight uh you know men that are a little more his size and, and uh you know not get this unfair advantage because you know, it is an unfair advantage, and it's not not cool. Uh, I'm I'm really getting angry at, at these guys that are are coming in, especially three and a half pounds. That's not really a try, in my opinion. No, it's not. No, it's not, man. And if I, I'm definitely sure, if it happens again, Dana will be. He'll make the decision for him and say, "You're going up a division. There you go. Problem solved, right? Because that's what he'll do too, as well. But 
I give Pineda all the credit in the world. 27 pounds in two weeks? Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. I don't even, I don't know how you did that, man. I don't know how you did that. But yeah, great dominant win uh, by Pineda. And I, I look forward to seeing some great stuff from him in the future. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's turn to this bantamweight fight between uh, John Dodson and Marab Devashvili. Uh, Marab has a record for uh, taking down three separate opponents more than 10 times. Uh, that uh, is his game plan. He wants to just immediately try to take you down and grind out. Uh, he had 20 takedown attempts in this fight, and he was only successful on two. Uh, Dodson is one of the fastest guys, but he is all, obviously one of the most elusive guys we've ever seen. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy fight, in my opinion. It was amazing. Yeah, man. It, like, like Dodson's like a slippery muskrat. You can't keep him down on the ground, like, at all. Like, it's just, it, you put him down, and he pops right back up immediately. Um, but the thing was, uh, okay, I'm going to try his name now. Vashvili. Did I get it? Ah, yeah, I kind of got it. Okay, so, got it. so with Vashvili, he's got a motor like no other. He does not tire out. I think that's utterly ridiculous. I, I have never seen anything like that in my life, that he actually has a motor that just doesn't tire out. Doesn't tire out, which is amazing. Um, the other thing, though, about this, unfortunately about this fight is Dodson, he, he just didn't pull the trigger. He did not initiate his offense, and that's what lost him the fight. I've seen him do this before. He, you know, like he'll wait for that perfect counter. But if that perfect counter doesn't happen, then he just waits. And sometimes you just can't do that. You're just going to have to initiate. You got you to start something to get something back. You know what I mean? So uh, that's something that, uh, that's part of his, um, his mental mind state that he might need to fix going forward in his fights. Sometimes he's just going to have to initiate and not always wait on the other guy to do something. Yeah, it's got to drive his corner crazy when, uh, you know, they know he's a counter fighter, but... If a guy's, uh, you know, not willing to come in and throw those strikes, you can't just wait. You know, he waited 15 minutes. He tried to throw, you know, his shots a couple of times. But, oh, man, it just wasn't coming. And, you know, he, he had to have known that he was losing that fight. But he just waited and waited and waited and waited until the bell was over. It was, it was, it was, it was really disappointing because he is an incredibly slick and fast fighter. Uh, you know, he throws his hands so quick. Uh, you know, he's really fun to watch, but um, yeah, he just couldn't pull that trigger ever, like you say. Um, uh, the, the the camp from Mirab uh, blows me away. He gets to train with Aljamain Sterling every day, and and he was very complimentary with uh, Matt Serra, Ray Longo, uh, Aljamain, that whole camp there in New York, Long Island. Uh, really, really great to hear uh, him, you know, compliment uh, Al Jermaine so much and say, you know, hey, I train with this guy every day. Of course, I'm going to become, you know, better and better and, you know, become one of the best eventually. Uh, pretty cool, to, uh, you know, to hear all the stuff coming out of his camp. Oh, yeah, man. Very cool. Very, it, it, was just, it was just nice to hear him just say all those nice things about his, his camp. It's like basically um, telling them that they made him who he is today. And that, that's, that's, that's the that's the height of appreciation for everybody that's gotten you to the point that you're at in your career. So, um, yeah, congrats to the, the Vishvili. 
Oh, man, I'm going to always mess that up. Deveshvili, uh, great win on his part. And, um, again, with Dodson, you got, you got to start initiating your offense, man, or else you're just not going to win at this level. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. And uh, wasn't it him that said uh, he was a full-time uh, construction guy and now he, he can finally uh, put the tools away and make this full-time and he can buy a house now? Wasn't it him? Yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was awesome to see, right? Like, because we, we, we actually have a couple guys like that on this card. Like, obviously, you had Stipe, who's still a firefighter, by the way, which is, I just find that really funny, actually. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why you want... Uh, but, hey, if it's a job you love, it's a job you love. And so he's not only a hero in the ring, he's a hero in the community as well. So that, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's an unbelievable that some of these guys have full-time jobs as well as fighting. It's, uh, it's incredible, and it's crazy. It's, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of it becomes great, though, because they are humble and they do th good things for their communities and stuff. They're not just you know, uh, prima donnas, um, making millions and millions of dollars, uh, like, you know, some of the other sports athletes are, uh, these yeah. guys are entrenched in their community doing really good things. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so, and it's incredible that the heavyweight champion of the world is still a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, I think that's just awesome. Like that blue collar work ethic that you have to know it's like, well, you know what, this could go away at any point in time. So I better have a real job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's awesome. It's just awesome to see. It's awesome to see. Yeah. Okay. Um, why don't we turn to the Felice Herrig Verna Jandaroba fight? Jandaroba uh, looked just unbelievable. Uh, Felice Herrig is no slouch on the ground, but uh, yeah, Jandaroba just uh, seemed like at another level, uh, just, you know, working for that arm bar and uh, securing it. Uh, and, and very, very impressive quick win on her part. I, I wouldn't say level, I'd say levels above like levels like that was like the transition to the arm bar was it happened in the blink of an eye she caught the arm and she goes great i have your arm now <laughs> and it was over like I, I was super impressed with that i was like oh my god what was that like half a second to get her into arm bar oh 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 sorry a minor adjustment okay now i'm gonna break your arm it was it was quick, man. It was I was super impressed by that. Super impressive win by Jenna Roba. Yeah, wow. She was uh, yeah. She was amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, she's gonna definitely gonna get step up in competition uh, coming up. And uh, yeah, super quick, impressive win. Uh, let's talk about the Danny Chavez T.J. Brown fight. Uh, Chavez uh, came out had an amazing game plan with those calf kicks. Uh, really, really strong. Uh, you know, punches, um, just, you know, really looked super dominant, um, ended up winning a unanimous de decision over TJ. And yeah, the, the calf kicks to me were just stood out so much. Oh yeah, man. Well, he took him down. Like he, like he dropped him with a calf kick and just not just the calf kicks, but his punches so crisp, efficient, smooth, but more importantly, fast. Everything that came off that man was, was came off at speed. He was incredibly quick, and uh, it, it, I was just super impressed. Super impressed with everything that I saw from Chavez. Great win on his part. Because T.J. Brown, no slouch. That guy was – he was game. He was a very, very game opponent. But obviously, from taking that many calf kicks, his, his mobility was very much compromised in that fight. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, let's turn to another heavyweight fight. Um, Chris Dawkins uh, fought Parker Porter. Um, Dawkins looked uh, super impressive. Uh, him and his brother are, um, you know, really uh, have, have come into their own uh, after the pandemic hit and uh, we had the restart of the UFC. Uh, both of them have looked uh, super impressive and uh, another great win for him. Uh, yeah, he talked about, you know, his family and his brother and a lot of things. Uh, yeah, it was great. Really, really impressive performance. Yeah, great, great combinations thrown by ca uh, Caucus, for sure. Great combinations. And then the need to put him down finally um, to end the fight. Like, the man just flowed very well on his feet. He looked great. He looked fantastic. Excellent win by Dawkins. Yeah, yeah, very excellent. Amazing. Um, yeah, I was really impressed. Uh, and then the, f the, the fight of the night was actually the very first fight uh, out of the gate. Um, yeah, you, you never think, you know, that that's going to happen. Uh, I, I was blown away by how impressive these two were, but there was, you know, another 10, 11, 12 fights uh, coming, and, and uh, they ended up getting the 50K each. Uh, Tony Kelly against Kai Kamaka. Uh, Kamaka, that Hawaiian, is uh, a tough guy, and and but uh, Tony Kelly was was just game, and and uh, they put on a really amazing 15 minute performance. That was one heck of a way to start off the whole UFC event. Like that was that was high level stuff. Those guys don't look like they just started in the UFC. They look like veterans, my friend. Jesus, I I was I was just I was blown away. I was I was flabbergasted by what I saw. The level of the, the caliber that these two showed was just amazing, man. Um, Kelly, obviously, more of the kickboxer. Kamaka, the more of the purest boxer. But these guys, oh, dude, it, it was just such an excellent fight. And then Kelly having the reserves to try to come on late to try to steal the fight with those close-in elbows and such. Oh, I, I was... I was I was beside myself. This was a excellent fight. It was a great fight, man. And it was a great win by Kamaka because it, that was no gimme. He really earned that win, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, uh, kudos to the matchmakers, uh, both making their USA debuts. Uh, they couldn't have uh, picked two guys that were better suited for each other. Uh, really, really fantastic way to, to start the card. Uh, yeah, just both of them were you know, very, very, very impressive. Uh, Kamaka just you know a slight advantage in the end but man uh, you know I, I'm looking forward to seeing both of them again um, great debuts by both oh yeah man I, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing both of them both of them super tough they have the will to win and I I I I, I can't wait to see these guys come back into the ring or sorry the octagon I can't <laughs> wait to see that can't yeah me either that. yeah so I said uh, they got the, both 50K. The other 50,000 were handed out to Daniel Pineda and uh, Verena Jandaroba, as we said, uh, both incredible performances. So, uh, so that puts a wrap on UFC 252. Uh, really fun card, a lot of great fights. And uh, we finally get to say that uh, Stipe Miocic is the baddest man on the planet again, and uh, he'll go down as the greatest of all time. Uh, yeah, cool that it finally happened, uh, anticipating that for, um, you know, probably a year or more. And, uh, you know, finally we got to see it and good on Stipe. Uh, gets to go back to Cleveland and celebrate and go back to uh, helping his community as a firefighter. Yes, he does. He gets to go back as a champion once again. And, uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's as humble 
a champion as you'll ever meet. And so he, he deserves everything that he's worked for. So congratulations to him, man. He really is an exemplary champion. Yeah, yeah. No, well said. Definitely amazing. 